You are listening to Oaks People Podcast, a weekly podcast by Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Through a series of informal, story-based conversations, we share some of the challenges, the joys, and the ordinary moments of a community following Jesus in the heart of the city. Enjoy, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome, Oaks Church, Brooklyn. This is your pastor of Discipleship and Mission, Patrick Boatwright, here with another edition of our What's Happening End of the Month podcast. For those who may not be familiar, this is a new rhythm where at the end of each month, we have a podcast that's dedicated solely to understanding first what's happening in the month ahead. So we'll be talking to MJ, our keeper of the calendar, and she gives us any pertinent and important dates to make sure we plan for. Next, we're going to talk to members of the prayer team. Today, it's Rachel Larson and a special guest to understand where are the places and the spaces of communal prayer, how can we get involved, and if there are any prayers that we as a church can collectively gather around. And then lastly, this is our time for misfit stories. These are stories that don't really fit in anything else or any other place or space that we have, but they're really worth hearing. And so I'm excited for today's stories. And I also want to encourage you, if you have a faith expanding story about something that God has done in your life or the life of someone close to you, please send it in. We'd love to tell it. We'd love to have you on. You can always email info at oaksbk.church and let us know. And we'll take it from there. So without further ado, let's get started. All right. It's that wonderful time. My favorite segment of the month. I am with MJ, our keeper of the calendar, uh, and she's here to give us the updates on all the things to expect for next month, this coming June. Hey, Meg, how you doing? Hi, glad to be here and glad to update us all. Um, So this is coming out end of May. You guys are going to be able to have a couple days to see that and to hear this and to know that on May 30th, there's baptisms, which is so fantastic. It's so great to celebrate yep. life in our church. And so make sure that you're able to sign up or tune in. And we would love for you to show support, um, especially like even on the YouTube page. It's so kind to see love and support on the chat. So um, so excited to be able to celebrate together yeah. with that. Yeah. We're podcasting from the past into the future, <laughs> uh, but you'll be hearing this in the not-so-distant past, so please do come out for uh, for baptisms. It should be great. And then going into June, we're so excited um, to continue our communal prayer. It's going to be at McCarran Park at 7.30 in the morning on Wednesdays, and Rachel's going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, great time. Just come bring your coffee, bring your pets, um, pray with us. That's happening through June and July. And then also just Sundays. Sundays in general are going to be, um, we're going to be expanding um, the seating. So we're really going to try to, as safely as we can, have as many of us gather together um, on Sunday mornings. And so um, we're still going to ask that you wear masks um, when you attend the Sunday live gatherings, but we are going to try to increase capacity um, as much as possible. So have be aware of that and we'll be sending out all the links to sign up for Sunday gatherings. And we would love to see you all through June. 
Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk. A, let's take a little stop right there. Though. Sure. Uh, because along with the keeper of calendar, you are um, also, um, I guess, not keeper of the COVID. We don't want to say that. <laughs> COVID czar is what I've been. Yeah. I call myself. COVID czar. <laughs> Meg does not have COVID. She's not keeping COVID. Uh, she Fully is, vaccinated. Yeah, she is our our COVID czar. Uh, but I just want to. I know there are questions. Yeah. Because. Uh, you know, if you've been watching the news, there's like all sorts of things. It's like Wild West out here. Uh, and I think it's a worthwhile for us to just kind of update everyone on yeah. like how we're approaching uh, our COVID regulations. I know there's been a lot of questions about like, are we going to like be requiring vaccine passports? Uh, so I'd love for you to just like speak a little bit to uh, where we are still um, in navigating COVID as a church? Sure. So overall, as of the 19th of May, um, there's a lot of openings. Um, restaurants are more open. Um, masks for vaccination, vaccinated folks um, have been lifted as well in a lot of places. But that a lot of these things come with caveats and come with if you do this. Um, and so at the gatherings and at anything that we have, we want to make sure that everyone um, who wants to come can. And we know that there are certain folks who... Um, haven't gotten vaccinated, um, who can't wear masks of issues, um, who have Ill other underlying illnesses. Um, and we want everyone to be safe and feel safe. Um, so we are trying to do um, what we think is the most safe with talking to doctors, um, reading up with the CDC codes and everything. And so um, it seems like the best thing for us to be doing moving forward is to keep, um, keep masks masking, um, safely sit six feet apart still, um, as much as possible. And, um, and so with us, we're really going to be moving stuff around making sure that we really can have as much space as we can, but also, um, with distances as well. Um, and then we really, we are so excited. The weather's going to be nice to have things that are outside because that is something where a lot of folks can gather together, um, and feel safe and, um, be a little bit distance apart, but also just enjoy the weather and see each other. So we're hoping that, um, with that as well, the, that we do increase capacity in the gatherings. We can also do some stuff outside this summer and have community that way. Great. Okay. So we're keeping on our masks. We're going to keep some distance, but we're also going to work to increase capacity. So we're moving in the right direction. We'll probably move slower than some would like and probably too fast than others. But I think what's most important is that as a church and a community, um, we prioritize uh, best we can wisdom um, input from our doctors and those we trust and also uh, creating a safe environment where people can just fully worship God. Meg, you got anything Anything else? I think that's everything. Okay, I'm excited. How's that uh, executive director going? <laughs> Great, so exciting. <laughs> Great, all right. Well, uh, until next month, thank you, uh, O Keeper of the Calendar. My pleasure. For now, it's time for our prayer segment, and this is where we get to hear from members of our prayer team to discuss what's happening in the life of prayer at Oak Church Brooklyn. Today, we have Rachel Larson, our leader of prayer. Rachel, how are you? 
I am well. Thank you, Patrick. How are you? Uh, you know, I am doing pretty good, all things considered. This weather is um, not been my favorite, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I um, feel that. But one thing I am here for is some of the cool prayer things we're having um, that have just started up around Oak Church, Brooklyn. So I'm going to actually, for this segment, I'm going to turn it over to you and let us guide us through, because I know that you have uh, someone that you also want to add to this conversation. So, Rachel, would you just take it from here? Let us know uh, what's happening and how, as a person of Oak Church, Brooklyn, can I get involved in prayer? And what kind of things are we praying for together um, as a church? Yes. Okay. Happy to get to be here and share about the life of prayer in our church. And, you know, there's a lot that happened um, in May. So we had 24-7 prayer here with us a few weekends ago. And something that was amazing about them is they just have a culture of encouragement. And so there was a night where there was a little group of us and we got to meet them and they introduced each other by just speaking life over what they know about those people. And then they had us do it for one another. And so I want to introduce you guys to somebody that you might already know um, from our church, but his name is Robbie Brown. And, you know, what I love about Robbie is I, you know, I first met Robbie in the night service. He used to sit across the room and uh, just like tall guy that I didn't really know. But then last year we started doing um, these prayer Zooms right during COVID, which turned into the night watch. And Robbie was one of the faithful uh, attendees and he started leading worship and started leading those nights. And I've really come to know Robbie as somebody who loves the presence of God. And we talk a lot about in our church about practicing the presence of God. And I think Robbie is someone who emulates that and he's somebody who's really pushed into that. And I say practice intentionally because it's it's this idea of setting aside time to really meet with God and to be in his presence. And Robbie, along with Leah, has been leading our pre-service prayer for the past year, starting last September, and he's been faithfully doing that. Um, And we had this moment a few months ago where we talked about, like, do we stop this for now? What should we do? And it was fun to hear Robbie's heart around why he wanted to keep that space open. And so much of it has to do with the presence of God. But Robbie, I would love for you to share about Um, just your heart for practicing the presence of God and how God has moved in that space in your life over the last year. Yeah. Um, Well, thanks for having me to talk about this. It's good to be here. Um, Yeah, it's interesting that you chose to emphasize the idea of it being a practice because I think that in a lot of ways, that's what it feels like for me. um, Where it doesn't doesn't necessarily feel natural. Um, I really feel like I have to actually practice it. Um, but I, I guess I want to move beyond that. I want to move to a place where it feels natural and it's just kind of what I always want to do. Um, and I think a big part of that for me has been, um, this kind of new understanding of, of knowing the heart of God, knowing the heart of Jesus. And I know Tyler talked about that a good bit. And I think maybe Gemma has mentioned too, specifically this book, Gentle and Lowly, and just kind of understanding the heart of Jesus as, um, as gentle and lowly. And as I've kind of started to think about that more and more, think about Jesus as somebody that 
isn't just okay with who I am, isn't just like, you know, gonna receive me pretty well and not judge me. He's actually somebody that wants to spend time with me. He's somebody that wants to hear from me and interact with me. I think those kind of shifts have have made it a little bit easier to enter into those spaces more naturally. Um, so specifically to that instance that you were referring to, the pre-service prayer time, um, I think for a while actually was kind of a source of discouragement for me, which is kind of the opposite of what it's supposed to be. But uh, part of part of the reason for that was I was I was very much thinking of it as a a space that I was creating for other people, um, or a space that I was fostering or kind of monitoring or whatever. Um, and so my primary goal in that was to host this Zoom room for other people in the church to come and participate in prayer and, and enter into that. Um, and nobody was really coming. Um, <laughs> and so, so I think I was very much thinking of it in terms of like numbers and attendance. And I also, like my job, I do marketing. And so, you know, I'm doing Facebook ads and how many people saw it, what were the impressions, what was my reach? And that kind of just subconsciously entered its way into the way that I was thinking about this prayer time as well. Um, and so I was feeling very much in a space of maybe we should take a break. Maybe there's too much going on. Maybe the church just needs um, to take a step back, take a breath, and then we can come back at another time and this will be more uh, impactful. And when you kind of pose the question to the prayer team of like, should we keep doing this? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I very actively went through that process right there on the Zoom call where I said, let's take a break. And then by the end of the Zoom call, I was like, actually, no, let's keep going. Um, and I think it was that that perspective shift for me, where instead of thinking of this as a time where I'm just trying to maximize impressions and get people in here to pray, um, I kind of was like, well, what if this is just a space where I can just pray? And even if nobody shows up, I'm on Zoom by myself, which is kind of awkward, I guess, but nobody's there, so it doesn't matter. And that's just a space for you to pray and enter into the presence of the Lord and pray for your church and pray for your friends and pray for the people that you don't know that go to this church, um, pray for the leadership transition we're going through. Um, yeah, so that was, it was a really interesting just transition that I felt happen over the course of like 30 minutes while we were in that Zoom call together. Um, but I felt, I really felt like the Lord was kind of saying to me, like, don't worry about whether or not people are showing up. This, this isn't about your ability to create a marketable product. This is about your, this is about you and me just getting together and, um, and me hearing from you and you hearing from me. That's, that's the Lord saying that in that instance. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that kind of like wraps up that experience, but. Yeah, I have a question actually for both of you kind of on that because I hear you, Robbie, and I think that's such a, man, mature place to get to where we kind of get past, obviously, church world. We're always susceptible to make it about numbers and secular productivity kind of thing. Um, But also, like, having been around church spaces, I know that, like, pre-service prayer is typically often where, like, the the ones that are like really in it, but I don't think that's necessary because there's any like thing overly spiritual about getting up before the service to pray. I think it's often because people sometimes just don't know like 
what exactly are you praying for? Or like, why is this happening? Like, what exactly is the space? Is this for me? Is this a place for prayer requests? Like, like, what is this? Like, when you say pre-service prayer, and so I just wonder if you guys could, like, either one of you or both of you speak to, uh, for those who are listening, it's like, yeah, I've heard pre-service prayer. I don't know why this guy's on a Zoom alone, uh, but maybe I could join him. But what exactly are you praying for in that space? Could you give us some more information on that? Yeah, I could. I think the first thing that I thought is, I think I'm technically supposed to call it pre-gathering prayer since that's what we call our you know service time, the gathering. And I just think I've never adopted that. I keep saying pre-service, so I'm sorry, Rachel, that I'm not using the right it's language. okay um, there's no judgment um, okay good thank you uh, I would say that the the kind of 10 second pitch is that we use it as a time to pray for and over our church pray for and over the morning gathering for the leaders who are preaching um, leading worship for everyone who's showing up in person and everyone who's tuning in to the live stream I think that w- a lot of times what ends up happening is it kind of turns into a space where we just kind of pray free form for whatever anyone who shows up is feeling or thinking about. Um, So depending on what's going on in the world, oftentimes it looks like we're praying for social justice issues. Um, Oftentimes it looks like we're praying through the leadership transition that we're currently going through at church. Um, We also usually start by taking a look at and, and doing some kind of light Lectio Divina, where we read the teaching text for the day. Um, So there's also just kind of a nice side effect of it kind of launches us into a space of already having sat with the scripture um, for about 45 minutes before you or Gemma or Carlos or whoever it is um, preaches on it. Um, And then we also do some just kind of prayer practices like listening prayer. Um, You know, Lectio Divina right out of the gates is we're just listening to hear what the Lord might be saying to us through the scripture that morning. And sometimes that takes over the whole time. Somebody feels like they're hearing something or um, the passage has a very clear um, kind of message and we spend 45 minutes kind of just praying into that, praying for that. Um, Sometimes it looks like praying for each other if somebody comes in and just has a very specific prayer request. So it, it is, there is a lot that happens. I would say that the general purpose and intent of it is for it to be a space where we're praying for our church and praying for that uh, morning gathering to, um, I don't know, I was about to say be effective, but even that, that's not really, it's not about being effective, but just that the Lord would work through that time. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I would add to that to kind of encapsulate all that Robbie has said is, you know, as we've pushed into what prayer looks like for our church, we want to be people who are happy to be interrupted by whatever the Lord is doing. And so we might come in with a plan, but we're happy to let it go wherever God takes it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I can say too, from the other side, uh, I know like we often sometimes get a text from those who have been in pre-service prayer that's like, hey, this is something that we feel like the God, God is saying this morning or something we feel like is is pertinent. And that has oftentimes I've found uh, really aligned with even for myself, if I've, I'm going to be teaching that day or some other aspect of the theme of the service. And it's really served to like pull us into alignment, I think beyond just like a staff team, but also 
um, just as a, a body of believers. And I think that's really effective because our large gatherings, our Sunday gatherings, I think really can't become about like the two or three paid staff members of this church and what they're going to give to the body. And I think what you guys do in that pre-service prayer and what is open to all and whoever wants to join is to really take ownership into like, we're setting the table for this pre-service gathering or this gathering that we're about to have. We're, you know, we're all about to have this family barbecue and somebody's got to like, you know, put the drinks in the ice and like, you know, put out the cake and get ready. And so you guys are in a lot of ways are do the most important work of of our large gatherings because you're, you're setting the table and getting ready to uh, create a space for us to be ministered to. I really like that picture. I also want to just quickly like shout out Leah, who's also been leading this space with me because I kind of said, you know, sometimes I'm on Zoom alone. That actually rarely happens. Like Leah also very faithfully shows up and is and is there. Um, there are a few others who consistently show up as well. So it, it is, uh, you're never going to like join the Zoom and have some awkward encounter where it's just me on there and you have to all of a sudden pray with me for 45 minutes. So if you are listening to this and you're interested in the space, don't, that's not what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, Leah, Leah loves that part of the day as well. Her favorite part is getting to kind of text you guys and say, man, this is what, this is what we've been hearing. Um, this is what we've been hearing for you. Um, so I, I'm really thankful for kind of Leah's partnership and leadership in that space as well. And, you know, if you did show up and it's just Robbie, praying with Robbie for 45 minutes is um, a welcome investment of your time. And also, you know, as people who want to like build our faith in prayer, there is something so encouraging about being in that pre-service prayer, hearing those prayers, and then hearing whatever is preached, whatever is talked about. So often the same words we prayed will be said during the service. And it just feels like, wow, God's doing something. And it's wild seeing like the alignment that happens. That's awesome. All right. Well, what else, Rachel? Yeah. Prayer. So I, I would say, you know, if there's one thing I would love for us to be praying into, it would be that we become more and more a people of the presence of God, people who love the presence of God. And, you know, we're hosting for the next six weeks. So through the end of June, Wednesday morning, 7.30 a.m., we're hosting this space in McCarran Park for us to just come and practice the presence of God. There's prayer and there's worship. Um, And this past week, we actually had a pretty cool story that came out of it. Um, There's this phrase we say a lot, at Oaks, which is um, fruitfulness is the collateral damage of intimacy. And Mm. so this is the part where um, keep tuning in. There's a story to come um, of Robbie and an encounter we had in the park. No spoilers. No spoilers. You have to keep listening to the misfit stories. I love it. All right. So that Wednesday morning, uh, open to anyone. what's what do you expect when you show up and like i guess one of the questions i would have is like are we really out here like praying in public where people can see us what's that like what if i've never done it before is it as scary as it sounds uh it's not scary at all um you know i think there could be this moment where you walk up and it's like what is going on but that space is so welcoming and you know I had a friend say this to me once, and if this is helpful for you, but we were praying in a coffee shop, and 
I was newer to New York and I was like, oh my, can we do this? And she was like, Rachel, it's New York. Like everybody's out here flying their freak flag. Like it doesn't matter what you do. And so I think there's something really beautiful about getting to practice the presence of God in this public space. Um, And really part of what we're doing is we're trying to invite anybody who comes by that park to just feel like they could be welcome and present in that space. And so, you know, people come, they set out their picnic blankets. We kind of gather in this little space. We start with worship and we just see where the spirit leads in terms of what we pray into that day. And then we end with prayer ministry. And so that's just a few songs of worship while we open the space to anybody who might actually want prayer. Great. Awesome. And to remind you, that's Wednesdays at 730, right? 730. Lorimer and Bedford by those red bathrooms. Awesome. Uh, well, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to transition over to our Misfit Stories. But you're going to be back because you've got this story about something that happened during this actual communal prayer hour that I'm very excited to hear about. Catch you on the other side. So that was the end of our prayer segment. We earlier heard from MJ. And now, right before we move into our Misfit Stories, I just wanted to take a second to add one of my own for today. Uh, I am recording this on Monday, May 24th. This is just after Jim Ryan, our associate pastor, just delivered, in my opinion, a absolutely fire story. sermon yesterday on the gracious hearts as we've been in this series resilient hearts and i just really want to encourage you if you have not listened to this i don't know why you skipped over that podcast to listen to this podcast but please immediately press pause and go back and listen to the amazing and timely word uh that she gave us uh this past sunday and for me it's a misfit story because it was a really special moment because Gemma, I think, spoke so pertinently and saliently to where we are in this moment as a church where we're kind of all over the place. Some people are still very much grieving the loss of Tyler and Kirsten and Hank and Simon. Uh, and then some people are, you know, not that they're not sad, but they're they're buoyed by hope and joy and they're excited for this next season and the new lead pastor and what's going to come. And they're kind of ready to get there. And we're caught all in this like wave of spectrum, um, of, of emotion. And so Gemma really painted, um, I think a very clear picture of what it looks like to have the gracious hearts of Jesus for one another in this season. And then just in general, as people trying to live and love in a port city and why that was really particularly poignant to me is because if you listen to that sermon, you could be tempted to think like we've planned this thing out, you know, in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, this seems kind of like really well timed. But actually, this Resilient Heart series was a sermon series that I wrote about seven months ago, shortly after I came on staff 
at Oak Church, Brooklyn. This is a little um, behind the scenes, inside baseball, how the sausage is made, if you will. How do we like get teaching sermons and who decides uh, uh, what we hear in the ministry of the word? Well, in general, uh, our lead pastor has been entrusted with setting the teaching calendar and schedule. And then we as a pastoral team uh, divide up uh the task and the load of week to week. Um, and then we kind of have our freedom to, to give as the Lord speaks to us. But I was freshly new on staff here. And one night around like three in the morning, which is honestly a very like common occurrence with me, God just like woke me up from my sleep. And, uh, it was kind of like Samuel, you know, like who's talking to me. And, uh, and I just had this download from the spirit of this sermon series, all the, the past few weeks you've, you've heard and all those teaching texts, I jotted them down in an Apple notes, uh, thing. And just was kind of like, okay, God, this seems pretty cool. I'll hold on to that. And I remember a few weeks later, uh, sitting with Tyler and talking to him and just kind of sharing with him like, Hey man, I got this sermon series that God really just like put on my heart and literally just like downloaded through the spirit. And so it's like, cool. Yeah, that sounds like really good. We should find a time to do that series. So fast forward, uh, six months after I then find out of the impending transition. And after all the, you know, the last six months is brought as we walk through that and we were starting to plan the teaching calendar for this period of time uh, with Tyler transitioning out. And it just made you know, sense to put in the resilient heart right there. It really seemed like this word from God at such a right point. And so we kind of broke down the weeks, but then we had this kind of issue because this was a six-week uh, series, but the way the calendar broke down with Easter, Tyler would have these two weeks where like we want him to be able to like share his heart for our church, but that means we'd have to break up the series. And so it's just kind of like, okay, what do we do? How do we do this? And so ultimately we decided, as you all have seen, is that we'd break it between this grieving hearts and gracious hearts. And we'd have these last two weeks of Tyler's final addresses. And then we'd come back into the series. And so, um, what was really just like faith expanding for me was sitting there on Sunday and hearing such a poignant and necessary word that actually began seven months earlier in the middle of the night from me and now to hear Gemma um, working through that and seeing that unity of the spirit and how often what it just reminded me is how we just often walk into the plans of God because I didn't even know when I was writing in the Apple notes that this would be happening after Tyler's last sermon. Like that was not even on my radar. And then to also just come around to this place and to hear, you know, from that deposit in me to then Tyler putting it, was putting it through the teaching schedule. And then to have Gemma just delivered like just such a word that was really impactful for my soul. It was really a reminder that while we may not know, um, 
what's the plan um, is from here. Like what things are still a little up in the air about the next season of our church. What we can take solace in and peace in is that God's got it. And that God's had this plan. He was not surprised by Tyler's leaving. He was not surprised by what we would need in this season. He's actually been working towards it all along. And so that for me brings a tremendous comfort. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to share that. Hope, uh, hope it, expand your faith as it has mine so that said let's jump back in we're going to head back to rachel and robbie and hear a couple more uh faith expanding stories all right and i am back here with rachel and robbie uh members and leaders of our prayer team uh, for our next misfit story, which, uh, I'm actually excited cause I've only heard like the bits and pieces of this. So I'm like listening along with everyone else, but, uh, Rachel, why don't you just set this up? Um, this story and kind of this, uh, awesome God moment that happened, uh, this past Wednesday, uh, last week of May. Awesome. So, you know, one of our prayer requests for this prayer in the park is that, people in the community would join us. And so we've actually created a little chalkboard sign, which is a little cheesy, but hopefully effective, that literally says, um, join us for prayer and worship, all are welcome. And it's just setting out in the space on the sidewalk in front of where we're praying. And so this week, um, it was, you know, halfway through the time and we were praying and this guy walks up and he kind of pauses and Um, looks at the sign and then he sat down on a bench across from where we were and he joined us in our time and I'm going to turn it over to Robbie to kind of say what you experienced but there was a moment where I looked up at the end and we were doing worship and he had his hands open you know when we say at church like open your hands in a posture of receiving his hands were open in this beautiful posture of receiving and I remember it just like taking my breath away because this is what we've prayed for for so long that we would be a space not just for oaks but that anybody walking by would be able to experience God's presence in those moments so yeah Robbie I'd love for you to share kind of your experience of that moment yeah I, I, I didn't even notice or know that aspect of it I just kind of saw that he had walked up and sat on the bench across from us um and that that is one of the interesting things about doing any kind of like overtly Christian thing out in public is that you, uh, you know, are more aware of people watching you. Um, it's not scary, but it is something that I kind of have to actively recenter myself because of during that time. Um, so a lot of times that just looks like me closing my eyes or honestly just praying kind of like, Lord, let me not care what, what other people are thinking. Um, so I kind of I kind of noticed him, but largely I tried to tried not tune him out, but tried to not think about what people were kind of thinking while they were watching. Um, but when we got to that prayer ministry part at the end, where uh, Savannah was playing some some more music, I did notice that he was tapping his foot along. So he he was more than just like picked a random bench, actually kind of um, engaging with what we were doing, um, at least by enjoying the music. And so I just kind of thought like maybe you know. I wonder if he wants to join us. I wonder if he would join us if he just got the invite. Um, 
and then this is a little bit of a tangent, but it is about part of what I've been thinking about lately is the emotions that Jesus experienced. Um, Jesus's experiences of compassion was completely um, free from the effects of the fall. And so when he felt compassion to people, he just couldn't help but go to them. And whether that was, you know, the leper who needed healing or, um, you know, the woman who came in and poured perfume on his feet, just the compassion that he felt was just the, the complete full experience of that emotion. And I've thought so much about that over the last couple of weeks. Like, what would it look like for me to experience that emotion free from the effects of the fall, free from my brokenness? Um, and I think that I, I just felt maybe not that, but I felt some of that seeing this guy sitting on the bench. Um, and I just wondered what is, you know, what brought you over here? What, why'd you stop and, and hang out in this area? Um, and then when we were done with our time, Rachel walked over and said, Hey, would, would she specifically said, Hey, do you think you're brave enough to go talk to that guy? And I was like, uh, I, you know, I'm actually glad that you said that because I had been thinking about it but I probably could have talked myself out of it and just hopped on my bike and headed home for work. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'll go talk to him. Um, and just kind of asked his name, sat down, started to chat. And one of the first things that he said was, Oh man, that song, that song is so good. That's Carrie Job, right? Um, and Savannah had played the blessing as kind of the last song of the day. And I was like, yeah, that is Carrie Job that I, yeah, and it, I guess it just kind of caught me off guard that um, he wasn't just enjoying the music as like kind of a casual bystander, but he knew the music and, and was um, kind of engaged. And and so we just chatted for a while and he listed off a bunch of other worship songs that he really enjoys and actually sang some of them. Turns out he's a musician himself, plays the guitar. Um, and and so we I sat there for, I think, about an hour, about an hour and 15 minutes um, and it was just very clear that he just wanted to talk. He just wanted to talk to somebody. Um, but really interesting guy with really interesting story, obviously very difficult story. Um, and hearing some of his perspectives on how um, COVID has impacted him and how he's found community in churches and he's found community um, with you know groups of believers. But then with COVID closing all these doors, it kind of sent him back into this experience of isolation um, and kind of into... a dark places where he's had to really kind of deal with some of his demons kind of creeping back into his life. Um, and just perspectives that I just had zero, zero insight to, because despite COVID and the isolation being difficult for all of us, I have roommates and I was able to go home and be with family for a portion of that time. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm focusing on that aspect of the conversation. I think it just kind of hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting, um, in the, the way that, lack of access to church community for this person who this homeless person like impacted him in just a very profound way and so there being a group of people in the park who were just praying and singing that he could just kind of come and sit and listen to um yeah when I when I ended up leaving later on because I finally was like hey man this has been great but I'm like two hours late for work and I gotta go sign in at least sign in the slack so I don't get in trouble um he was like, Hey, I'm so glad you guys were out here this morning. Like that was just, it was just a blessing. You know, thank you. Um, told him we'd be there next week as well. So hopefully we'll see him again. Um, but yeah, it was just a really sweet time. I, I didn't know what to expect when I walked up to him. Um, but just that, I, I think I, I think I felt a little bit of that, um, just that, that connection to somebody that is, 
I don't know. I, 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 even saying it out loud, I, it's, I almost start to sound like it's cheesy, but I just, I know we're all created in God's image. And I think that sometimes I only know that intellectually. And I think that it was one of those experiences where I just felt like, oh, yes, you are a son of the most high God and he loves you and he sees you. And usually, or all I saw up until this moment was a homeless person on the bench who doesn't smell very good. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience. That's awesome, man. I, I, that story resonates with me on a lot of different levels. Uh, one, I think it's so easy for us to navel gaze as like Christians, you know, and just do this like in the safety. Like I talked to friends about how like, you know, when you're around your Christian friends, it's like, man, let me tell you what God did. But then when you're around, you're like non-Christian friends, it's like, let me tell you what this lucky thing that happened, you know? And we like intentionally kind of like code switch instead of just like telling the truth and being honest here and out and like, what happens when you like take the risk to go out and like you say, like pray or sing worship in the middle of a park, even though it's New York City and it's by far the least weird thing happening. Um, uh, that's pretty cool. And I think it resonates to see um, what God can do when we have that kind of surrendered heart. It actually reminds me of uh, a couple years ago, I used to go to the YMCA on Park Slope. And um, I used to box a bit. And they have like this uh, um, heavy bag there. And so I always would go to the gym and put in my headphones and just like tune everyone else out. And one day God was like, hey, I really like it if you just like unplug and be aware of the opportunities around you. And so I was like, all right, that's cool. So I started going to the gym and and not putting in my headphones. And this one day, probably a week after that happened, uh, I was I was like stretching, I was more aware, and there was this like young guy, uh, like mid-20s, and he was like at the heavy bag, and he was punching it in a way that he was going to break his wrist. <laughs> I, was like, this, I was like, this is terrible. You do not know how to throw a punch. You should not be doing this. Uh, and so... I like walked over to him and I just was like, Hey man, you, you want me to like show you something like how to, how to hit this thing. And, and that led to this conversation. Turns out this guy speaking of McCarran park was a part of like a rehab shelter where he was actually coming out of McCarran park because series of events in his, as a teenager had landed him homeless in, in McCarran Park sleeping where he had gotten involved with gangs and had tried to get out of that life. But that was a very violent, like, like way to get out and uh, had like ran away from that life, had come to Jesus in this rehab thing, but was still struggling with like the beginning of his faith. And uh, for like the next like two months, we started meeting at this YMCA and I taught him how to punch and I just helped him, gave him some resources on like how to start his journey and following Jesus. And that's why I don't say that for anything about me or anything, but just what God does when you, like you, Robbie, we like open ourselves up to what he can do and wants to do um, outside of like our Christian bubbles. 
Yeah, I love that. I was somebody, somebody, Gemma, just asked me the other day, like, do you have any idea like what um, spirit, your spiritual gifts are or what, you know, ways you've been gifted to serve the body? Um, and do you know which ones you kind of want? I think maybe it was part of the good way course. Um, and one that I don't think is like, I've taken one of the tests at some point. I don't think I scored in this like at all or very high at all. But one that I really, really want is I really want the spiritual gift of showing mercy. Um, and it, I think it was really interesting how, how quickly, like on the kind of tales of praying that and thinking that and, and voicing out loud to the people who I was processing with it the good way, like this is something I would really like to grow in. I was given a very clear opportunity and a very clear instance in which I could try it out. Um, so, you know, the joke is always when you pray for patience, you're going to be given, uh, oh, yeah, you know, bro. things be to be patient about. Um, so I don't know, I think maybe there was something to that too. And it's just, I was just thankful for that opportunity, um, to do something that I don't feel like comes very naturally to me that I'm not very good at, but, um, yeah, the Lord works in interesting ways. For our last Misfit story, an internal events, it's actually about someone who's fitting right in uh, to our community. I've got Miriam Dumlau, our new uh, worship pastor, who's stepping in for the next six months as we navigate this transition. Uh, new, but also old, because you've been around here before, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, I've been around the block. Um, <clears throat> when I moved to New York, um, I joined, well, I came across really, uh, what was Origins Church and there, and is that a cult? Yeah. Yeah. It was a makeup, ca- uh, makeup brand actually. <laughs> and, <clears throat> well, and most people know it now as TGC Chelsea, but there were like 50 people in the room when we first, they only had two, two different, um, neighborhood churches and, Chelsea had just launched like two weeks before I got there. Mm, um, wow! So it was, it was it was fresh. It was a lot of new, you know. So you are you are Trinity Grace OG. Uh, OG, even pre Trinity Grace name. Exactly. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's amazing. And then even with TGC Williamsburg, you've got history. Right? Oh man so much history uh tyler and i started a youth group in the east village many many moons ago and this was before he even realized he wanted to be a lead pastor and i remember the conversation of him telling me i am transitioning out of my youth pastordom into leading uh i'm gonna launch a church in williamsburg um i remember it super clearly and Then I was like, oh, that's great, because I've been wanting to step down from a youth group, too. We'll just do it at the same time. And we literally just bounced (laughs) and handed it over to the new guard, you know, so. That's great. That's great. Uh, And then I guess give the people a sense, like, you know, obviously it's so hard during this pandemic to get to know anyone. And we don't have the ability to, like, see each other every Sunday right now. Uh, Right. Would you just give the people like uh, just a quick like 
who are you snapshot i know you're from the bay shout out steph curry e40 we love you (laughs) so i grew up um in in church and my parents in fact the church that they go to they helped you know start they were one of the three families that or however many families that helped start the church. So my grandfather was a pastor. I have uncles who are pastors. I mean, growing up in the Bay in a huge Filipino family, very Christian, very conservative. And I really took a a love to music really early on, um, recording, you know, tapes from the radio, um, all my favorite hits, you know, because, you know, you come from a big family, you can't afford to buy, you know, tapes or CDs or anything. So yeah. you're just ripping them. On, you know, you waiting for your favorite song to come on on the radio, you record it. See, and, and let's I just, just, real quick, Mira, I just want, because, you know, we have a young church, so a tape <laughs> was actually, uh, <laughs> you had to go to a store, and there was, like, this plastic with some film with a wrapped ribbon, around yep. it. Yeah, which you had to be careful, you know, because you didn't want to unspool it. But then uh-huh. you would put that in a cassette deck, and then it would spin and it would play music. Yeah, that's it. And then you could, and then you could record from the radio onto the tape. Yes. And I, you know, you would just have to listen for your favorite song. You'd hit record. You'd yes. Be like, yes, I captured it. And then you'd have to stop it at the right time, but you might get the radio announcer for like a millisecond. Exactly. Good. You're like, who okay. cares? I got it. So yeah, I, so I, I fell in love with that. I was doing that at like nine and 10. And, and then playing instruments by ear to those recorded you know, things. And that's how I learned. Wow. I just loved, and then so by the time, you know, uh, I was brave enough, like, my parents were like, okay, now that you know how to play music, you're going to get up on stage. And they wow. kind of, a force of hand, but also, you know, it got me out of doing other things like chores and stuff. It's like, oh, sorry, guys, I got to go to band practice. <laughs> you <laughs> know, That's actually talent, though, because likewise, I, uh, at night, used to listen to Boys to Men in my bedroom yes. And practice each part of the harmonies. But the yes. difference that I'm hearing is no one ever asked me to get on stage. Afterwards. Afterwards. So you had more than just the tapes. You actually had some talent to well, back it yeah. up. So yeah. They nice. say that, that Fili- nice. they say that Filipinos are, are naturally musically talented, I guess. And you know, I yep. just capitalized on the, the, the DNA, you know. I see. And my parents actually they both you know, my dad is like a karaoke star. Oh my! And my gosh, mom actually yes. was a singer. You know, in college, and she traveled the world in this singing group. So, wow. Yeah. So it's in my genes. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm and sadly, I'm the only one who uh, is still actively playing music. Although I'm calling my siblings out, they are all musical, like really musical. So, I I started. I was only playing the drums in church, and then. You know, uh, in church when they say, oh, who's going to sing the Sunday special while they take uh-huh. the offering? Yes. So then I was like, I, I mustered up enough courage to do that. And then they they heard me sing and then they never let me play the drums really again. They were Come like, on. oh, you're, you're the lead worship leader. So that was like at 15, you know, and I'm 36 now. So that's that was a minute ago. Yeah. Um, and I've been through a ton of iterations of different types of churches. And types of, uh, you know, like 
types of leading and everything from super charismatic, you know, like the three hour worship sets to yep. um, a very liturgical, uh, you know, two songs and then structure. And I like to mesh them all together, but like the start really was just, I felt like leading worship sort of discovered me mm. rather than me going and trying to cat, you know, it's like, I want to be on stage. I want to be, you know, I want to have the mic. I, I think I actually ran from it off and on all these years. Like, and so even like leaving and now I'm back, uh, it's, it's kind of laughable how everybody in my close circle has been, Oh, you're always going to go back to leading worship. It's always going to be in your DNA to want to yeah. sing with the church and lead the church into um, loving Jesus. And so, I again, it's like I've tried to quit jo- worship jobs and I've tried to like hide. And, and I even moved to New York and I told nobody that I led worship <laughs> or played. Literally nobody. But God knew. And, but God knew, and and I was like, I need a fresh start. I'm moving to a city I don't know anybody in. You know, I moved in 2007, and I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to go to church. It's not going to be a big deal. And then, I, you know, three months later, I'm on the setup team, and I'm, like, testing out the guitars and this, that, and the other. <laughs> and then Patrick Murphy was like, I know, you know, somebody said you could sing, and that was it. I just didn't not lead anyone yeah you know it just kept finding me and so here we are again (laughs) i love it yeah here we are again because i know you know you've taken a little break and obviously we've all been going through this pandemic and you're actually coming to us from nashville and i guess i'd love to just hear quickly like what's the last year been like for you as you've just navigated covid and navigated kind of just like taking a break from the church world and now coming back um Give us a little bit of insight into that. Oh, man, it has looked like family. I lived with the best family who I still don't love the idea of leaving. Uh, Jason and Kaneen Pipkin mm. uh, and Orion and Rufio during the pandemic. Rufio. Uh, we Rufio. got a dog. Yeah, <laughs> we got a dog. But Jason and Kaneen and Orion and Rufio have literally been my family. And I think that. I know that a lot of people um, went through isolation, like deep loneliness. And for me, it looked like getting reintegrated from living a single, you know, 20s, you know, early 30s life in New York to being dropped into uh, a family. Mm. And we had meals every night, like, you know, and we like I we were creating music and and we were just impromptu singing music all you know all the time and it it looked really like healing from the last season of my life which was in New York which was like the grind I had been here for 11 years and then to go I moved before the pandemic but it was really the the kindness of God to bring me into that home when he did and then on top of that to have a global shutdown and then to just live slowly and such an antithesis of new york like live slowly be in family even just within the home that i lived in and then 
um, it was a lot of celebrating the small wins and grieving like this traumatic thing that the globe was going through, like, but in a very slow and intentional way. Yeah. You know, we we took a lot of walks, we played a lot of music, and then we just you know had a lot of meals that were you know trying to just keep us sane. Yeah, so. that sounds like recharging. Oh man, it was. It was a recharge. So when the opportunity to come back came around, I was like, you know, pumped. I was, I felt like my batteries were, were, are still, you know, um, uh, full because I got to just be for the last three years. I was in Nashville for almost three years and just, I got to be there, um, and rest and, you know, yeah. And recharge and heal and yeah. feast a lot of good uh, fried chicken hey <laughs> nashville hot chicken uh, uh, i so. do like it spicy uh yeah yeah well i just want to say i think we are blessed by your presence i know there is a ton of excitement about what you're going to impart to us um and i for one having um been around you here and there in a bit in the TGC and uh and even just recently you did a we did a winter retreat together oh right gosh, before the pandemic um yeah. yeah uh I know we know that you have the giftings and the power um but what I'm excited about is that you're not just coming in as a, a worship director but a worship pastor and so you're also coming to impart a part of yourself and your heart into our community and this this family, this sense of family that you've, uh, you know, been steeped in over the last three years. And so I'm really excited to have you um, just kind of get all up in here and like yes. give us give us a, a new vision and, and help lead us into this new season. Yes, I'm excited. I'm really grateful for this community for inviting me in. Cool. And if someone wants to like take you out to lunch or to dinner, you know, she's due to community. So come on, guys, let's like do her right. Treat her well. Uh, they can hit you up, Miriam, at oaksbk.church. Uh, you got a lot of things going on, so you may not be able to take every invite, uh, but I'm hoping that we can at least just let you know that you haven't. You may have lost one family, but you're gaining another. Oh man, I love it. You know, I'm uh, Filipinos are known for their big feasting, so we'll Listen, go. I've got Fili- I got some Filipino in my family. I know about the lumpia. I'm here for it. Yep. So the ponce, uh, let's go. All the pork <laughs> products. All right. Well, great, Miriam. We're so happy you're here, um, and look forward to what's ahead. Oh, excited to be here. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, my friends, that's it. You've made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next month with more updates uh, about the life of our church, about prayer, and hopefully a few more stories um, that serve to remind us how good of a God um, it is that we follow. But as always, I just want to remind you the words of our dear brother, Carlos. Listening is the language of love. Take care. Take care.